can remember when the Yankees come through and uh, they carried my father away and carried my two sisters and one brother. And uh, they left me, and I can remember when my mistress used to run in the garden from the Yankees and tell us if they come, don't tell them where they're at. To them, don't tell nobody where they're at when they come. And they all come over and told me, don't get scared now and tell them where they, where they is. I told them no. He told them no. And uh, when they come and ask for them, I told them I didn't know where they were, and they was in the woods. When my father left, he went away with the Yankees and carried two had two, two girls and one son, the oldest one, carried them with him, did the Yankees, and I can remember that. That was Alice Gaston, former slave, a 1941 recording from the archives of the Library of Congress. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Phil Russman. No period in American history has attracted more scholars and enthusiasts than the Civil War. From students to screenwriters, the burgeoning interest in researching the events and people of the Civil War has resulted in the development of global industries and organizations. However, when it comes to original sources, the most comprehensive collection is at the Library of Congress. Dr. John R. Sellers, curator of the Civil War collection at the Library of Congress, will show us how we can have access to these original works. Speaking with Dr. Sellers will be our guest host, Professor Gaston Espinoza of Claremont McKenna College. Coming up in a moment, Dr. John Sellers. and reduce emissions. Check. Acoustic and optical wayside monitors to enhance safety. Check. Robotic systems to measure track geometry. Check. GPS tracking and tracing systems. Check. Sounds like a rocket or a jet getting ready for takeoff, doesn't it? Actually, it's something just as technologically advanced. A freight train. There's a new world of technology riding the rails that makes today's freight railroads more fuel efficient, safer, and cleaner running than ever. With wireless communications, transponders, and trackside readers that can pinpoint a shipment's location at speeds of up to 80 miles an hour, North America's freight railroads are driving the technology required by today's businesses and consumers. And with everything from apples to computers moving by rail, we wouldn't have it any other way. Chances are, the things you'll use tomorrow are taking the train today. Tomorrow, arriving by train. Sponsored by North America's Freight Railroads. Mission Critical. Two words that describe the data vital to every e-commerce website. If your company needs the services of an unparalleled co-location facility, you need to remember these two words, Castle Access. With Castle Access, your Internet servers will be secure in environmentally controlled data centers that offer high-speed managed Internet access and the highest standards of 24-7 customer support. For more info, visit castleaccess.com. Castle Access. We keep you online all the time. World Talk Radio, bringing the world to you. 
speak with our show hosts or guests during the live show, call us toll-free in North America, 888-514-2100. Everywhere else, call 001-858-268-3068. I'm Gaston Espinoza, and with me today is Dr. John Sellers. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Sellers. Oh, glad to be here. What are the best sources for Civil War research at the Library of Congress? Well, the best sources are always manuscripts, that is, the original writings of their participants. But the library has vast collections. They're so large that they have to be divided and arranged by format. So you get materials in different divisions. If you wanted to study uh, General Sherman's march uh, through Georgia, you would go to the map division and work with Sherman's maps. If you wanted to see his own writings about the event, you would look in the manuscript division and the Sherman papers. If you wanted, for example, to uh, know what it was like, what kind of music the troops were enjoying, you would go to the music division. If you wanted pictures of the event, and there were photographers along, you would go to the prints and photograph division. If you wanted to find what was published in newspapers at the time, you would go to the serial division. And it's, uh, there are several others involved, so it's quite a variety of material. How many photographs do you have from that period? Oh, there are thousands. And uh, the Brady collection is there, for example, and it itself, uh, you know, several thousand photographs. Did the library collect these documents and photographs by buying collections from private private investors or were they simply willed to the library upon death of former Confederate and Union soldiers? A lot of people, uh, descendants especially, want them in the Library of Congress because they know the collection will remain as an entity, that it will not be resold, it will be properly preserved, kept in air-conditioned, a humidity-controlled environment and uh, where there's conserv- paper conservators available. If any damage occurs, they can be repaired. So they, they like that. They feel comfortable, and they know that they're giving it to the American people, that it's owned you know, by the American people themselves. Now, how would, let's say, one of my students at Claremont McKenna College gain access to this wonderful collection? Anybody can come. Uh, We don't encourage undergraduates, though we will uh, help them as best we can. It's just a matter of being able to accommodate uh, the amount of people that want to come. But any adult, any citizen, or any foreigner can come and register. There's now a central registration office where you're given an ID card, and you have access with that card to all of the reading rooms. Is it possible for a scholar to or a screenwriter to come to the Library of Congress, check out these documents for several months at a time, or is there a limit no, to the time? No, it's not a circulating library. I see. You work on scene. Now, we do put quite a few materials online. More and more will be put online. And you can borrow through interlibrary loan, that is the hard copy of the books, the bound volumes. Manuscripts and original sources are not lent. What are the strengths of the library at this time? In the Civil War area, uh, naturally you have the presidential papers, uh, President Lincoln, 
which is the Robert Todd Lincoln Collection, which covers a lot of Lincoln's life, especially the administration. But you have many of the, of the primary figures in the war, like Grant, McClellan, Sherman, uh, Harrison, this on and on, Stuart, uh, on both sides of the war, on Lee, uh, Stevens, uh, you know, Vice President of the Confederacy. So you you have a lot of Lincoln's cabinet members represented. Uh, not everything is there, but it's a strong collection. Which sources are the most popular? Abraham Lincoln, by far, uh, a lot of my work, I, I think close to 50%, relates in some way uh, to Abraham Lincoln. Remarkable. And why Lincoln? I mean, he's obviously he obviously was a wonderful president and led us through a traumatic period in American history, but clearly well, so many books have been written about Lincoln. Why the continued interest? He seems to capture the American imagination, um, his dedication, his suffering, his uh, traumatic life in the sense of the tragedy through, uh, you know, three of his sons not reaching adulthood. Uh, just his um, ability to pull the nation through this catastrophic period. And also his writings have become so valuable because of the way that people look upon him. And they, they sell for very, very high prices. He's almost become something of a redemptive icon, hasn't he? That's correct. That's correct. He was, he's probably uh, as much appreciated now as, or more so than George Washington. So when, when you ask anybody about an American president, Lincoln will come to mind. Washington always, even Japanese visitors immediately recognize George Washington. I, I like to show them his personal diaries. But they, they really uh, appreciate Lincoln. There's even a, a pretty good Lincoln collection and Mesa University in Tokyo, Japan. <laughs> That's remarkable. Now, is that because Lincoln is seen as a, a suffering servant, so to speak, almost like a messianic figure who held the country together, or is it because he was the one who freed the slaves? The emancipation is the big issue, and that probably that Lincoln thought that was his greatest achievement. Do you think that... Um, Foreign scholars and, and tourists are are um, as fascinated with Lincoln as, let's say, Northerners. Uh, foreign, yeah, no, Southern in America. Uh, Northerners uh, have far more appreciation of Lincoln than um, people living, uh, general people growing up in the South. But that's changing. I'm I'm trying to change that as much as I can. Now, how did you go about acquiring this, these manuscripts? You mentioned that some of the letters and documents related to Lincoln are quite expensive. Well, we buy where we can. Uh, I'm pursuing now a collection, for example, where Lincoln wrote to Gideon Wells, his Secretary of the Navy, about two or three times a week. A total of 713 documents that I know exist, but I haven't been able to uncover the current owner. Mm. The value at this time on uh, this market would be close to $25 million. Unbelievable. Yes. That's remarkable. Unbelievable. What types of people visit the Library of Congress to study the Civil War in Lincoln? Primarily academics, or do you have writers and Well, we're, we're really strong on academics, uh, people working on their PhDs. Uh, most college professors that are working on the Civil War have to visit the Library of Congress. It is the major collection on the Civil War. 
a lot of your core material is there. And north and south, it's stronger on the Union side, um, partly because the war caused such devastation in the south, partly because only one in ten Confederate soldiers could write, mm. and uh, partly because there weren't even materials available by the middle of the war for a lot of writing to take place in the south. Do you find that a lot of foreign scholars are interested in the Civil War, or is this primarily Yes, yes. Yeah, Germans history. even have... Um, Reenactment groups, uh, and they invite American Civil War scholars there to speak. Michael Burlingame spoke there, I think, last year. I think Jennifer Fleischner uh, or uh, Leonard, Mrs. Leonard, spoke there from Colby College. So, and the British, they're constantly uh, calling about various things. In fact, there's a British scholar arriving next week. Uh, he's doing a book on, he just did a book on uh, Lincoln as uh, kind of war leader. And now he's doing one on the commanders-in-chief. He's taking about five, and he's starting with Abraham Lincoln in the evolution of the office of commander-in-chief. Now, given the fact that these documents are so valuable, $25 million for 700 documents is unbelievable. Do you have a problem with uh, forgeries and people trying to pass off oh, yes, constantly. these types of documents? Uh, recently, someone tried to sell me a letter purported to be by... Lincoln to Jefferson Davis before the war actually began, being a last-minute attempt at some kind of resolution, peaceful resolution. But as soon as I saw it, I knew it was a forgery. Another one uh, tried to sell me uh, and worked hard to get it done, a copy of the Gettysburg Address. And it was a beautiful tracing of the John Hay copy. We have the Nicolay copy and the Hay copy, which are the first two that Lincoln wrote. Uh, <clears throat> the first is the draft from which he read, and he wrote four of the copies, for the last three by request for uh, humanitarian purposes. But this copy that was shown me, uh, asking to be purchased, um, matched perfectly our John Hay copy. Every character matched perfectly, so it was obviously a tracing. But the giveaway to me, when I glanced at it first, I saw that the T's were crossed in the wrong direction. They were crossed, as most are, from left to right. Lincoln always got to the end of a word and just looped back across the whole word, crossing one or two T's simultaneously. So that, uh, I didn't pay the million dollars to ask for that one. It's still on the market. <laughs> one million dollars. <laughs> Unbelievable. What are the most valuable documents in your Civil War collection? I think the Gettysburg Address would probably uh, be the most valuable on the Civil War. And that you'd have a hard time putting a price on. I'm talking about the original draft now. The uh, it would be in the millions, and it would uh, it would be hard to come up with a price. I have one letter that one uh, dealer estimated the value at 13 million for one letter, but it's the one to Hodges where he's defending and explaining his position on slavery, and arguing for the Emancipation Proclamation. So you get three pages of uh, carefully worded uh, expressions on his thoughts on slavery, where he says, for example, if slavery is not wrong, nothing is wrong, I cannot remember when I did not so think and feel. So that kind of phraseology content makes it very valuable. Remarkable. And was this person um, a slave owner or Hodges? Oh, no. He was... Uh, <laughs> In Kentucky, they were from Kentucky. Uh, he was actually a newspaper 
uh, editor in Frankfurt, but it was written to three men, the gov- former governor and senator, Senator Dixon. They had come to the White House to dissuade Lincoln, to persuade him to rescind the Emancipation Proclamation as it applied to Kentucky because it was causing such problems. And he spoke to them in the White House, won them to his position. They were so impressed, they asked him to put in writing what he said, and he did that a few days later and sent it to them. So that letter is part of the collection, extremely valuable. Are there current collections that you're currently trying to purchase? Yes, oh, always. Uh, there's a diary. Uh, sometimes it's hard to get a family to part with something, and, and money is often not the deciding factor. Uh, they have to get to the emotional state at which they're ready to part with it. But there's a diary by Gideon Wells I would like to acquire. It'll eventually come on the market, and then it'll be a, a very high price. So uh, I'll have to see if I can raise money. We can't always use uh, money from the government to purchase. don't have that kind of funds available to us, acquisition funds. Do you have so private donors who support your work? We have people that help us. Uh, we have a Madison Council that uh, has a fundraising committee, acquisition committee, and it's uh, you know some very uh, conscientious and very uh, successful businessmen and women, and they've been very generous in helping the library, both in direction and content and acquisition. Now, why the Gideon Wells Diary? Well, this diary is unpublished and actually unread by anybody outside the family, and it deals with the uh, period right as Lincoln was forming his cabinet, being elected and setting up his cabinet, where the war is starting. So it's a very significant diary. And part of my work, my responsibility, is to build a collection and acquire that kind of material if possible. Is it possible for an individual to become a donor or a sponsor to the Library of Congress through your office, or how would they do that? Oh, they would do that uh, through not through my office, but through the uh, offices on the sixth floor, which is the librarian's office. There are people that are responsible for that. It's called the development office. Does the Library of Congress refuse Civil War documents or donations of any kind, or do they accept all authentic documents from the time period? The Civil War is a little bit of an exception. We turn down more material than we accept. We only take things that have research value and that were generated by people who have made some contribution to American life and culture. So it is a research library, so we do turn down material that would not be very useful uh, for that purpose. Uh, in the Civil War, almost anything is applicable. I mean, in other words, it has merit, because partly because of age and partly because of the intense interest throughout the nation. Well, that sounds fascinating. Well, after our, our break, I'd like to ask you about some of these stories that have been yet to be told. and. I'd like you to share with our audience um, some documents and, and letters and, and journals and diaries that people might want to take a look at for their screenplays, for movies, for novels, and for dissertations. Okay. <laughs> 